All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunk. My name is Scott, coming at you live from Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm really excited about this episode tonight, you guys. I have a returning guest, uh, Richard Gage, AIA. Uh, we're going to get into all the all the good stuff with him, but uh, yeah, I've just uh, got a lot of things I want to talk to him about. Some things have happened since uh, we last chatted on the show. He was one of the very early guests on this new Rebunk show, so uh I'm very grateful, as always, for him taking time to speak to us. And um, as always, he just always just comes out with just some just mind blowing information. So uh, really excited to get into it. But you guys, just real quick, uh, I just want to take a moment to tell you how you can follow and support the show. So I just want to encourage you to head over to rebunked.news, and there'll be a little pop up that pops up that allows you to sign up for the email list. So that's uh, the best way to stay in touch with the show. Uh, it allows me to just send out emails in case you know anything's going on with the show, which we're gonna have a lot of cool stuff coming up with the show. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I know I always say that, but it seems like there's always something new and exciting happening. Uh, also, whenever I go live, you'll get an email. So um, great way to stay in touch with the show. So rebunk.news is the website there. And I have another exciting announcement. So we have uh, a new analog super chat P.O. box, you guys. So, you know, we talk about the value for value, time, talent, and treasure. So if you want to send anything in to rebunk news or me or anything, uh, the address for those of you listening, it's 1113 Murfreesboro Road. I know it's a really weird word, but M-U-R-F-R-E-E-S-B-O-R-O Road, Suite 106 through 146 in Franklin, Tennessee, 37064. I know that's a mouthful, but it's actually in the episode description there at the very top. So new super chats, analog super chats, right? You know what I'm saying? And then uh, you have a uh, value for value donation options at the top. The social media is at Rebunked News pretty much everywhere. I'm most active in the Telegram, uh, t.me forward slash Rebunk News. That's where I'm pretty much hanging out, chatting with the people all day. So join us. It's a lot of fun. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much that. Um, I want to shout out the T-shirt shop brought to you by Big Frog T-shirts. Um, they do fantastic work. Uh, if you And also, if you're a content creator and you're in the market for a T-shirt shop, they will set, set, set this up for you and help you with the designs. I mean, if I have an idea for a T-shirt design, I just go, hey, Ryan, or hey, Amanda, can you guys help me out with a shirt? Bam, next thing you know, it's in the, it's in the store. So we got the Beavis, are you threatening me design, which has been selling like crazy. You guys are awesome. And we got 16 bucks for a Gadsden flag Beavis, are you threatening me shirt? Like you can't can't go and it can't go wrong with that so uh and then just real quick you guys the affiliates it's truth trs heavy metal detox spray truth trs.com go there to learn more about that and then uh our good friends at richard groves autonomy so i'm now officially a season eight graduate of autonomy and i've got a lot of love and respect for the work that goes on over there i was actually just and now i'm actually like transitioned over to now where i'm actually going to start doing some like behind the scenes like freelance work for autonomy unlimited which is richard's marketing firm uh comprised of autonomy graduates so now i'm uh, eligible to like start putting in work over there so i'm um, just super grateful for them if you guys want to see if autonomy is a good fit for you if you could use some more autonomy in your life just in the episode description below there's a link just click it go through the obstacle course and uh just see if it's something that would uh give you some more autonomy in your life because that's what we need that's how we fight this war uh, and then uh, lastly, I just want to shout out the Last American Vagabond Substack, tlavagabond.substack.com. Uh, I got an article that I put up the other day talking about uh, how the CDC is basically, I mean, obviously we got them dead in their tracks, lying to us about uh, 
the, the fact that they never even tested the COVID vaccine or the COVID injections alongside other vaccines. They're telling you, oh, it's total. You see all this stuff about, oh, yeah, you know, go get your monkey monkeypox shot. Go get your flu shot and COVID shot all at the same time. Totally safe and effective. It's like, oh, OK, well, we've got them red handed that they have never tested that. It, you know what I mean? And they're still saying safe and effective. And also we're doing a Q&A with Ryan for founding members this Saturday at noon. So go check that out. Uh, TLAvagabond.substack.com to learn more about that. Okay. Thank you guys as always for bearing with me through all of that. And without further ado, we're going to bring in my guest here, the great esteemed Richard Gage. Richard, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Scott? Hi, everybody. Uh, hey, Richard. Thanks for uh, bearing with me for that intro there. I really appreciate it, man. But, uh, you know, I got to say, so um, as always, you know, whenever we talk, I'm always like, oh, you know, thank you so much. But I just really want to let the audience know, too. It's like, you know, I've, I've been following your work for years, like for years before I even the, the thought of starting a podcast was in my mind before I had any anybody before I even had like social media. You know what I mean? Like I've been following your work, uh, the work that went on at uh, Arch or that is still going on, but in a different capacity, architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. Lawyers for 9-11 Inquiry, like these are all things that were on the forefront of like, and you know, you know, supported your guys' work, you know, purchased the films, shared the work constantly, you know what I mean? Tower 7 was the big one for me, the big red pill for me, you oh, know, yeah. so, uh, you know, I just can't tell you how grateful I am to now, you know, I have like a different type of relationship with you. It's like we've been able to hang out in person. I mean, one of my favorite memories ever was in Salem at the Reawaken America Tour. And uh, I got to meet up with you. We all went out to dinner. And I just happened to be able to sit right next to you. We chatted for like two hours straight about everything, man. And I was yeah, like, there's so much to talk about. There was. And so I'm like, and so it's like, I'm, I'm proud to call you a friend. You know, it's quite an honor. And, too, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, I've been able to do some work for you outside behind the scenes a little bit. And it truly is an yeah. honor to be able to do that. Um, He's honestly, quite the really. editor. Yes. There you go. There you yeah. go. You heard it, folks. So anyway, I just just a lot of gratitude, Richard, and I'm just really glad that you're here tonight. Um, I'm really excited to get into some of this stuff. Um, Me too. So I guess before we get too far into it, if there's anybody that has not uh, heard your story, can you just give us a real quick rundown about uh, just, the, just the overview? Yeah, just the, sale, the elevator pitch. Uh, let us know, because I'm sure most of the listeners are familiar with your work. But uh, in case oh. there's a couple out there that haven't, let's, let's give them a, up to speed. Well, from day one, I swallowed the official narrative of how the towers came down hook, line, and sinker, as well as what happened to the rest during the rest of the events of 9-11. And it was five years later, I heard David Ray Griffin on the radio. And he was talking about uh, the work that Graham McQueen had uh, exposed, which is the uh, oral testimonies of the first responders. 156 of them turned out uh, on tape. Uh, hearing explosions, seeing explosions, being blown around in the building by explosions all before the towers came down. So this was just a shock to me. I had to pull my van over in the high school that uh, I had been uh, observing construction at. And I I'm going, whoa, what is this? This can't be true. You know, I'm an architect. I would have heard if there was a third tower that came down on 9-11. And uh, man, especially like it did, uh, it should have been the most studied failure of any failure ever. And so I d went and saw David Ray Griffin the, the next night in Oakland at the Grand Lake Theater, and he blew me away. I, I went to see him, but I was turned away. I had to go home and watch the live stream. But I was just shocked at all the additional information I heard, freely flying, laterally ejected steel beams, trailing thick white smoke clouds, landing 600 feet in every direction, 
what are you talking about? That doesn't sound like a gravitational collapse, which is what we were told this was. Anyway, uh, I took I, I took a couple of months, did some additional research. I was blown away. I put together a PowerPoint, took it to the firm I worked with. They all were blown away too by it. And all of them signed my petition, except my boss, who was Middle Eastern. So I, uh, I, 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 that was 14 architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. Now there's 3,600. Mm. Okay, well, there you go. So yeah, the cat's out of the bag, folks. And I'm kind of surprised like your Middle Eastern boss would not sign it because that would like take a lot of the pressure off of all at the time. And we all remember it was like, you know, everyone, they were trying to lay it all at the footsteps of any Middle Eastern person in the world was like directly yeah. responsible for 9-11. So he'd be like, yeah, wait a minute. You mean the, the government had something to do with it? Yeah, I'll sign that. Let's let's look into this. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just I, I could also understand the other side where it's like, dude, yeah, right. I'm not trying to get involved with this. So um, but yeah, man. So your work is just legendary. You know, you've produced so many films and the body of work and the evidence that you present is just unassailable, you know, and that's kind of where, where I wanted to start with this is the evidence. I titled the episode sticking to the evidence because, um, you know, that's what you do best. You just want to just hammer home the evidence. And that's, that's what makes you so effective in this. And probably why you're such, you're probably considered, you know, uh, a threat is because you are so good at sticking to the evidence and really a good case in point that, uh, I wanted to start off with. And then a few months ago, it was like four months ago. Um, I, I was, I heard you're going on the Patrick bet David show, right. Which is a really big show, great exposure. You know, it's always great when we can get one of our people on a show like that. You know what I mean? Uh, but what I was listening or, uh, yeah, I was listening to the episode and I just wanted to like jump through my podcast player and just like shout at the people that they were talking to you, man. And it's like, you know, I feel like there's a, there's a way to be fair and balanced in having a presentation. And then there's, there's what I witnessed in my perceptions of that interview were, and I'd love to hear your thought. I want to hear your thoughts on it, mm. but, uh, a few things that really stood out to me was like in the beginning and I brought clips. I don't necessarily know if I want, I don't want to play this clip, but it really seemed to me like right out the gate, they're trying to get you pinned down as like Mr. Conspiracy theorist. So like, Oh, they say that you're a conspiracy theorist. Well, what do you think about flat earth? What do you think about uh, JFK? You know what I mean? Like, what were your thoughts on that part? Of yeah. Princess Diana. And yeah. uh, uh, it goes on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, it's like, excuse me, this is not, what we're here to talk yeah. about. Uh, you know, I, I have opinions and have done a little research here and there on some of these things, but you know, no matter how you answer those questions, you're going to be on somebody's shit list. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, I'm not going to be doing uh, any of that anymore. If that's yeah, that's for totally, sure. totally. And we're not going to do that here. I was just really curious, but what I, I did bring this clip and I really want to highlight this clip from that interview because it, because it just shows you in such good form of, and so that's really the basis of that interview. They kept trying to, in what I was seeing, they were trying to pull you away from the evidence. It was like, okay, well, who did we, who was involved? Like who was, you're like, and the whole time you're like, I'm not here to speculate. I'm not here to speculate. I'm here to present evidence. Let's talk about the evidence. And then, and then right. The very next question, he'd be like, okay, well let's speculate over here. You know, just trying, <laughs> just trying to pull you away from the evidence and every chance they got it. And it almost seemed like it was deliberate and it was very shocking, but this clip, I just want to play real quick just to show how you, you you responded and you held your ground and you did such a good job. So let's play this clip and then we'll be right back. And then we'll start getting into the meat and potatoes folks. So, all right, be right back. <laughs> so, you know, just, just so I make myself very clear. I, I don't at all want to get to a point where people think I'm 100% either. I'm not. I'm not. 
All I'm doing is speculating. Well, that is all I'm doing, and, and I'm totally cool with <clears throat> yeah. someone saying I'm not a hundred percent, and he's a hundred percent. A jury. That's does my not, problem. Okay, but a jury does not speculate. They look at evidence, and our sixty exhibits of the evidence has been given to the U.S. attorney in in Manhattan to be given to a special grand jury, and the lawyers' committee for 9/11 inquiry has 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 done this work. And we're making a film, 9-11 Crime Scene to Courtroom, to be introduced as a supplement. Uh, and that film, along with those 60 exhibits of evidence, uh, are evidence. Now, put yourself in the place of the grand jurors who were asked by the uh, prosecuting uh, attorney to, to evaluate and, and issue indictments if you can. If you can. Based on what? Speculation? Or evidence. They're going to do it based on evidence. They're going to appreciate your speculation. They're going to have some of their own. But it's the evidence which we should be spending the last half hour talking about, not speculation. That's what's on the table here. That's what's going to convince a, a grand jury to indict people at top levels of government who uh, planned and executed an in industry, who planned and executed uh, the murder of 3,000 people. We've got to get to the bottom, not just 3,000, but 2 million in Afghanistan and Iraq. Okay, so yeah, so that 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 to me just really spoke to you're just like, no, 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 no. Stop trying to drag me over here. We're going to stick to the evidence. And so, yeah, man, I just want to give you accolades of that. You know, I feel like it's it's worthwhile watching that video in it as a case study of like, I don't even know, is that like controlled opposition? I mean, I don't want to like be like slander people, but like, what were some of your takeaways from that? Do you feel like you got your message across? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I got the evidence did. out there. They were yeah. open to hearing uh, all of the main points of evidence, uh, which I was able to deliver in about 45 minutes during that two hours. Yeah. Uh, there, the rest of it was me fending off uh, speculation uh, yeah. attempts. Uh, so, you know, it, it, all in all, I, I thought it was, uh, you know, it, it was fair. Mm -hmm. uh, that's their grade in the yeah. end. It yeah. was fair. It was fair. Okay, cool. Yeah. So just great job. And I remember like after I heard that, I texted you. I'm like, Richard, good job, man. You did so good on that interview, you know, despite all the, <laughs> yeah. what they were trying to do. So great I job. Remember that text, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, the other thing I really want to, uh, highlight too, is, uh, you mentioned in that clip and, uh, you know, I know you're working on this new film crime scene to courtroom, and this will hopefully get us into, uh, some of the, the evidence that we're talking about here, but, uh, tell us a little about crime scene to courtroom, like what your vision is for this. Yeah, the evidence that we're going to be talking about today has already been submitted to a special grand jury in lower Manhattan. Well, submitted to the U.S. attorney who is by law uh, required to submit it to the grand jury. We don't believe that he's done that. And so we went to all the way to the all the way to the Supreme Court to force uh, the U.S. attorney to hand that over to a special grand jury. Supreme Court uh, didn't see it our way. Uh, they, they said that the U.S. attorney has to have jurisdiction. Well, uh, what's the word? Uh, discrimination over, over in general, over what they hand to the jury. So we don't get to know whether that's happened or not. We're going to go to a federal judge in Manhattan, though, and ask him to submit it to a grand jury bypassing the U.S. attorney because we can do that. So that's that's uh, up next uh, for us. But this film is going to 
be directed to, uh, to the grand juror. Uh, we have spoken into the film uh, cameras uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, and at the Supreme Court, but in a conference room as if we're presenting this evidence piece by piece to the grand jury with about two dozen expert witnesses also. So we're editing that now, and we'll be having the first um, uh, few of the series. It's, it's going to be a, a long series of oh, cool. bite-sized pieces with evidence sections uh, so people can turn specifically to for instance, seismic evidence. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's, it's very exciting. It's a lot of work. Uh, it's going slower than we thought, but uh, we're at it and we're not going to stop until it's all delivered. That's In awesome. Fact, man. We're raising funds for that, Scott, right now. Okay. We, we've uh, completed uh, the uh, filming for phase one. We need to go back to DC uh, in a couple of months and film phase two. So uh, we're raising another $50,000 for that project. We encourage people to help us out. Totally. And that's uh, uh, your website, richardgage911.org, right? And that's, uh, mm -hmm. and there's a donate section right at the top there. Yeah. Right at the top, right. Yeah. Right. Yep. He's got it right there. He's got the graphic, richardgage911.org. That's it. Um, okay. So uh, right on. And I'm excited to see that, man. It sounds like, oh, the other question I had was, um, so I remember hearing like this is pre-COVID and I think there's some people, myself, maybe a little bit included, like there was so much like truth happening around like 2019, right? There was like the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing. And I remember there was a grand jury. I remember the news it was like in the fall of like 2019 or somewhere around there. There was a, this talk of a grand jury investigation into the nine, into the nine 11, and I was like, and so is this the same as that? Or is this a, is this a new endeavor that you guys are doing? Now? This is the only grand jury investigation that I'm aware of. Okay. 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 Yeah. I remember hearing word or talk, or maybe it was just something back then. But anyway, okay, well, cool. We submitted the uh, original petition for a special grand jury investigation four years ago. Okay. And I was still maybe that with was eight. A, yeah. I was with AE 911 yeah. Truth. Then, and uh, as you uh, know, I have uh, left AE911 mm -hmm. Truth, actually been booted out uh, mm -hmm. uh, of my own organization, which is fantastic, actually, and as it turns out, because I've started a new organization with my wife, Gail, and we together are uh, engaging in all kinds of podcasts, uh, and we're starting up again uh, next week with John Cole, civil engineer, who's made films. Uh, his own videos on uh, motion in the three World Trade Center uh, towers, as well as temperature in the three World Trade Center towers destruction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, powerful, powerful. So, okay, yeah, I think that's maybe what it was, was that I remember reading about your guys' submission for a grand, grand jury investigation around that time. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so, uh, all right, well, uh, do you want to get into it a little bit here? Um, where would, what, okay, so like, where does the film start or what, what do you feel like is the, most, the biggest piece of evidence to put in front of a grand jury or in our case here, maybe a listener or a viewer who is just uh, awakening to some of these uh, alternative accounts of 9-11? Yeah, I always start with the third tower to collapse on 9-11 because even most architects and engineers know nothing about the third worst structural failure in modern history. The other two being the Twin Towers. So uh, this is an extraordinary start because, you know, we're told nobody died uh, in the collapse of this building, which happened about uh, seven hours after the Twin Towers came down. Um, there was some damage to, to, to Building 7, 
But even according to the official report on this building's uh, destruction by NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, uh, they said that this damage was not a significant factor in the building's collapse. It was due to the fires uh, that they said spread and they said were raging. I'll show you those fires. In fact, uh, let me uh, uh, present here uh, uh, so I can... Yeah, let's see some evidence. Let's see some idea evidence. <laughs> of what we're talking about. Yeah, I've been. Uh, you Here might want to add yep, that. I'll add that to uh, to our. Uh, it's thinking. It's processing. Yeah, yeah. I wonder why it's processing. There it goes. Look at that. It's probably my end. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not alone. I have 3,500, 3,600 now architects and engineers demanding a new investigation. And one of the reasons is Building 7, which most people know nothing about. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would be the third, it would be the tallest building in most of our states. But of course, here in Manhattan, it's uh, uh, supersized by the uh, the World Trade Center Twin Towers there uh, while they were standing anyway. And so it's, a, a, it's about a football field in length away from the North Tower. And on the afternoon of 9-11, well, in the morning of 9-11, you have the towers coming down. You, it's still standing fine, as as you see, um, in fact, um, here. And uh, that's great. It had a few small mm -hmm. scattered fires, but then this is what happens to that building. Uh, we have the East Penthouse falls first, and mm -hmm. then the entire thing comes down uniformly mm -hmm. symmetrically into its own footprint at free fall acceleration. Now this is as fast as a bowling ball falling out of the sky. I mean, how does this happen? Uh, we'll come back to it, but let's hear the official narrative here from Sham Sunder of NIST. Now this guy. Uncontrolled building fire caused an extraordinary event. The collapse of World Trade Center 7 was primarily due to fire. Okay, what fires? Well, mm. these fires. These are the worst fires that we have photographic or video evidence of in the building. Now, that's a problem for the official narrative because we've had far worse fires in yep. uh, fire-protected steel frame skyscrapers, and they've never come down. Never. Fact, uh, probably four or five dozen of them, these being prime examples. Uh, they're they're remodeled they're put back into use uh, they don't collapse so you know we have to look at what else might have been the cause of the collapse right well controlled demolition might be a logical suspect given that it looked exactly like a controlled demolition so what are the features uh, of those developed by david ray griffin we have a sudden onset of destruction at the base of the structure in these types of destructions, uh, straight down symmetrical collapse. Typically uh, we have, how do we do that? We have to remove the columns uh, symmetrically all at once. We have uh, therefore a free fall or near free fall collapse through the path of what was the greatest resistance. The total dismemberment of the structural steel frame is what results there's limited damage to adjacent structures. That's one of the goals of controlled demolition. We have patterned explosions and flashes of light heard and seen by witnesses, along with broken up concrete floors, isolated explosive ejections. You might want to scoot us over to the right corner. No, uh, 
I don't know how I do that. I don't, oh, yeah. Oh, can I do that? Can I do that? Hold on. Give it a shot. The next one is chemical evidence of explosive. Look, you did. There we go. No, that's even better. Um, uh, of explosive devices uh, left behind. And if you have these features, uh, you know you have direct evidence of destruction with explosives. Scott, fire doesn't create any one of these features, mm-hmm. let alone all of them. So if you have any of them, that has to be uh, taken, uh, we'll call it uh, debunked by the debunkers. But this Mm -hmm. is rebunked. Yeah, we're rebunking everything right here. (laughs) But we do best. We're uh, rebunking the debunkers before they even begin here. Yep. So uh, they won't have a chance. With additional circumstantial corroborative testimony like government documentation, foreknowledge of the destruction of these buildings, people know about planned events in advance, right? Uh, experts agree. Hey, that's a controlled demolition. With um, video documentation, this can be proof of controlled demolition. Now, what we do, Scott, is apply this body of proof to building seven, starting with number one. Is there a sudden onset? Well, let's take a look from West Street. Mm-hmm. East penthouse comes down first, and six seconds later, we have yet another sudden onset of destruction. No halting, no hesitation. No mm-hmm. uh, work done to bend the steel columns uh, down below uh, as they are trying to resist uh, the, the structural collapse. Uh, so we'll get more into that. But do we have a straight down sy- symmetrical collapse? Well, let's listen to Dan Rather narrate this for us. Pretty straight down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Straight Pretty down. Yeah. And of course, it's like, you know, if the, if the failure would have happened the way they said it would, the building would have went over sideways, right? If it was just one section, the fire in that section of the building, it would have like fallen sideways, right? Yeah. Yep. It's kind of hard to hear rathers on that. Oh, one. you're not hearing. Yeah, no, we were not able to hear let that. Let me reshare. I yeah, forgot to, to click to, that little yeah, box. To, to, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate that when I do that. It's it's one of those things. I know you. They you think that they would just assume that we want to share the sound? Like, come on, yeah. Guys. Like, like yeah, when do I, I not want to share the sound? Yes, I always want to share the sound. Yes, it's part of what I do. In fact, it's a pre it's pre checked. Interestingly, I don't know if it was pre checked before. Hmm. We are going to find out. And if you could put me in, yep, yep, yep. Add to stream. I'll run. Bam. That slideshow again there we go and you're over there and you are over here and you are down there bam how are we doing oh we're doing it live we're doing it live i love it um so okay uh, do, the other question is, do we have a patterned removal of column supports? And, you know, what do you have to do to, to get bring a building down symmetrically? You have to remove all of the perimeter columns at once, followed about a second later by the core columns, 24 core columns. So uh, any deviation in this pattern, like you said, the building will begin to tip over. Yeah. 
Uh, and that's what would have been yeah. expected. And, so spoil you, and spoiler alert, I was just going to say, you know, if you go to the University of Alaska Fairbanks study, you know, that is in the in the in the conclusion, like literally the simultaneous failure of every single vertical column in the building. And it's like, how do you yeah. just so there you go. I mean, we have do these flyers have that capability. No. Uh, so it's it's it gets a seventh grader can pick this up. Right. Yeah. But this is not difficult. How fast does the building come down? Here's another dead giveaway. It comes down at free fall acceleration. Well, wait a minute. Uh, if it comes down at free fall acceleration, meaning as fast as a bowling ball falling out of the sky, then it's not doing any work as it comes down, meaning those columns which it's crushing are not being crushed. Instead, they must have been removed, all 80 of them on every floor. And like you were referring to the University of Alaska, uh, Professor Leroy Halsey, one of the top forensic structural engineers in the country, uh, determined exactly that, that this was a global collapse, not a progressive collapse caused by the simultaneous failure of all of its columns uh, in the building. <laughs> so yep. uh, that's uh, real interesting. That was uh, three years, $400,000, mm. that study. And uh, that was the conclusion. And he's and, and by the way, by the way, you made a film about that called Seven, which you can get like right now, everybody like still like Amazon Prime, right? Right? It's yeah, like a it's like yeah. a feature film narrated by Ed Asner. Like, yep. go check it well, out, you guys. And and Dylan Avery made that film, and it was yeah. it was a, it's amazing. Yeah. So, are there sounds of explosions? Well, uh, here's what NIST says about that. No. Oh. Well, uh, let's, oh, he says later, there's no witnesses. Well, here are the witnesses. Yep. Still kind of hard to hear. Uh, let me turn it up. Maybe. There we go. Maybe you can hear it through the mic. Maybe. And this gentleman. I'm going to call in Bill Rosati. He was here when it all happened. He saw it for himself. Bill, if you could just tell us what uh, you saw, what you heard. Uh, I was standing like two blocks away, and all of a sudden I just seen a big flash, and then I seen the building coming down, and I just seen people just running everywhere. A yeah. big flash. This is incredible. Now, are you hearing it twice, uh, Scott, or or just once? Uh, uh, no, but it's, it's just coming through once. Okay. Well, uh, let's... Let's put our heads together here. We, we Let's put building seven on the left, a series of known controlled demolitions on the right. Is there any similarity? Is there enough similarity to warrant an investigation into the possible use of explosives, especially since it looks exactly like a controlled demolition, especially since fire, the official cause of this building's collapse, has never in history brought down a steel frame fire protected building. Uh, so, so something's going on here. Um, but let's jump to. Um, I just want to pause uh, right there real quick because that was so awesome. Like anybody that's just listening on the podcast version, I want to encourage you to go maybe find this on like Rockfin or Bandot Video or wherever you want to find it. And Richard's showing like side by sides, Tower 7 collapsing right next to, you know, actual known controlled demolitions. And it's just like identical. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. Yeah, I haven't seen that. It, that's amazing. That's good. I mean, nice work. Nice work. And guess what? It it came out 10 years later. Mm -hmm. 
they're frequently asked questions, very frequently, that they publish 10 years later on their website, trying to deal with, uh, finally forced to, to deal with this uh, set of questions from the public. Gosh, that looks an awful like, like a controlled demolition. Did you analyze that possibility? Well, they say, oh, no, 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 there's, there, this is, this couldn't be any further from the truth. Well, let's look at the examples of extreme heat because even the FEMA report author, Jonathan Barnett says steel members in the debris pile appear to have been partly evaporated in extraordinarily high temperatures. Well, wait a minute. It takes 4,000 degrees to evaporate steel. Where would that temperature be coming from? It makes no sense. Uh, office fires only get to be about 500 degrees typically, sometimes 1,000 degrees. We're talking only 25% of the, of the heat required to evaporate steel. And here's the evaporated beam that Abelhausen Astani Ozel, a structural engineer, is evaluating. Uh, and he says he saw melting of girders at the World Trade Center. Doesn't realize that office fires don't do that. Never have, never will. Even FEMA's uh, report that Dr. Jonathan Barnett authored uh, cites in their metallurgical examination in Appendix C of the 2002 report Never before observed eutectic reactions, intergranular melting, causing a solid steel girder uh, to turn into Swiss cheese. What's that? Uh, eutectic. Uh, what was that word? Eutectic. Eutectic reactions. Reactions. What's that? Uh, I haven't heard that one. Well, this is a piece of World Trade Center 7 steel that was mm -hmm. subjected to that, okay. which means when you get sulfur and molten iron together, uh, you have a eutectic reaction which can eat the steel uh, through rapid oxidation and sulfidation. Mm -hmm. It's a liquid iron mixture with sulfur uh, uh, formed during this hot corrosion attack on the steel. I mean, how honest is this? Well, NIST took over the investigation in 2002 and threw this out. Uh, and they never, we never saw it again after this first publication. And so uh, when was uh what was iron when was the last time we used iron to build buildings with? Well, yeah, here you have liquid iron. Where does that mm -hmm. come from? Mm -hmm. It's we, we don't we, we we have steel the, for mm -hmm. the last 100 years. We haven't had elemental iron columns for 100 years mm. in in our tall buildings. Uh, so where does that come from? They don't mm -hmm. know. In mm -hmm. fact, it's the deepest mystery uncovered in the investigation. Yet all of this was completely eliminated from the NIST report, who finally got uh, uh, many years and 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 twenty thousand dollars altogether, twenty thousand dollars, twenty million dollars to to do their test. And again and again, they say, "Oh, we couldn't test for steel from Building Seven. We didn't have any." I'm so sorry, you guys. We just didn't have. No metallography could be carried out because no steel was recovered from building seven. Oh my God. Well, wait a minute. Here's John Gross of the NIST report, the co project leader of it, standing on the pile, identifying the very piece of steel that had the ends of the beam evaporated. Wow. He identified it early on. There it is. That's the piece that was cut off given to FEMA early. 
his shadow is all over the evidence, though he denies it. Wow. So we uh, we got to ask ourselves some some additional questions. You know, was the evidence preserved in in easily the largest and most perplexing structural failures in modern history? No. 400 truckloads a day carting this steel away from New York to China. To China. Yeah. Uh, what was the name? I just heard this recently. The name of the place where they hauled it off to is called Fresh Kills, wasn't it? You know anything about well, that's, that? Well, that's the name of the island where they dumped it. And then yeah. from there, they put it on these barges and oh. sent them to China. This okay. is the destruction of evidence in a crime scene. Yeah. It's actually illegal. But guess what? They got away with it because they declared this an act of war mm. because of the attack on the Pentagon. So they didn't have to abide by the rules of evidence. That's how they got away with it. Wow. Well, is there any foreknowledge of the destruction of, of, uh, of the building? Because uh, again, if, if, if events are engineered, people know about them in advance. Well, what about these people? Mysterious construction workers Walking away from Building 7, looking over their shoulder, hearing an explosion, and then looking straight into the camera and saying this. Mm. It's about to blow. what mm -hmm. <laughs> the building is about to blow up flame yeah. and debris coming down. How do they know the building's about to blow up? And this gentleman who heard the explosions, we heard him before talking about those explosions before building seven went down. He, he and others were held back about six blocks away from the building. And they, uh, uh, he is, is listening to a radio held in the hands of a red cross worker. See, they were told the building is going to come down. So he's listening to this radio, and this is what he hears. <laughs> what? Mm. Two fires bring buildings down to countdowns? Yeah. Something else is going on here, I would yep. suggest. And the BBC picked it up early. Ah, uh, yes. 20 minutes before it happened, they announced the collapse of this building. It's right there behind her while she's announcing that it already collapsed. They apologize, Scott, for this grievous error, citing the confusing events of the day. Yeah. Well, oh, and then, but that's anybody, if anybody hasn't seen this footage, it's hilarious. It's what's your name? Like Jane Stanley, I think your name is or whatever. Yep, it's like, Jane Stanley. And, and then, the, then the, the host is like, oh, we lost the feed. Oh, help. Sorry. Oh, Jane. Sorry, Jane. So bye, I, Jane. Bye, we got to go now. Really we got to go. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been looking uh, at the features of controlled demolition with regard to building seven. None of these can be created by fire, let alone all of them. They're all, each of them, uh, direct evidence of explosive destruction with additional circumstantial corroborative uh, evidence. Uh, we find this uh, proof of controlled demolition. At least uh, 3,600 architects and engineers and millions of others do. And that's why we're making this film, 9-11 uh, Crime Scene to Courtroom, which we need uh, uh everybody to be aware of and and that it's coming that you we want you to use it and want you to help us uh, complete it well, as i mentioned with phase two an unprecedented film series taking hard evidence of 9-11 crimes into the courtroom we 
partnered with Mick Harrison of the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry. He provides the legal side, instructing the jurors as to what this evidence means piece by piece, what they can do, who they might in, in investigate uh, and bring in as persons of material interest. So that's all pretty exciting because uh, we haven't done that before. This is a, a new type of film. That's awesome. Yep. And then you, if you talk about the Twin Towers, you have a real problem because guess what? <clears throat> Here you have two identical collapses. What are the odds of two planes hitting the towers uh, at two very completely different levels, 15 yeah, exactly. stories down versus 30 stories down on the South Tower? Different fire loading on the, on the steel and yet they collapse like mushrooms with thousands of explosions that we take people through as we compare once again the model of controlled demolition finding is there a sudden onset of destruction well yeah it's at rest then be begins to fall suddenly smoothly without hesitation without a jolt without stopping as it's impacting and crushing steel below mm -hmm. same thing in the south tower so there's a real problem just in, that the videos reveal in a very simplistic way. The first responders heard explosions. I mentioned that uh, now 156 first responders heard explosions. Uh, and um, Ben McQueen went back and found lots more. I mean, he had 12,000 pages to, to, re, to, to review. We felt the ground shake. You could see the towers sway. And then... It just came down. So, Scott, what, what's happening here is again and again, there's this order of events. Uh, they see this, they hear this all before the tower collapses, like this one. All of a sudden, the ground just started shaking. Felt like a train running under my feet. The next thing we know, we look up and the tower is collapsing. It shook my bones shortly before the first tower came down. I remember feeling the ground shaking, heard a terrible noise, and then debris just started flying everywhere. It's pretty incredible. Uh, oh, and we've got to fix that. Um, and quotes like this. I saw flash, flash, flash at the lower uh, uh, level of the building. You know, like when they demolish a building? Mm. Seemed like on television when they blow up these buildings, all these explosions seem like a belt going all the way around. Let's see what they're talking about. The North Tower on the right, the known controlled demolition mm -hmm. on the left. So once again, side by side, right? Does it get any more obvious? Sudden Boom. onset, symmetrical collapse. Wow. And how about uh, uh, this one? Uh, you ever see professional demolition where they set charges on certain floors and you hear that pop, pop, pop? That's when I heard that friggin noise and i saw the building coming down saw a number of brief light sources being emitted from inside the building between floors 10 and 15 saw about six of these brief flashes accompanied by a crackling sound before the towers collapsed saw a flash 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 then it looked like the building came down it just doesn't get any better than this I'll take a look at the south tower it, is there any comparison to a known controlled demolition on the left. Oh. Uh, yeah, enough to warrant an investigation into the possible use of explosives. I thought the terrorists planted explosives somewhere in the building. That's how loud it was, a mm -hmm. crackling explosive. 
Another loud boom at the upper floors. And then there was a series of smaller explosions which appeared to go completely around the building at the upper floors. Another loud earth-shattering blast with a large fireball that blew out more debris. You know, like when they demolished a building, that's what I thought I saw. Did you see any flashes? I said, yes, I thought it was just me. He said, no, I saw them too. Wow. Everybody, I think, at that point thought these things were blown up. So I was fully expecting anything else to blow up. You were there when the planes hit? No, I was there when the building exploded. You mean when it fell down? No, <laughs> when it exploded. So how about these guys? Yeah, still can't hear. Oh, you can't hear? No, not 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 coming through on this one. Boom, boom, boom. Like when they try to yeah. take down a building. Yep. So um, this doesn't. Yeah. NIST is saying that. Okay, and I've seen you. You built like a, I saw a video of you. You built like a, an actual like model, like an actual. Didn't you build like a little model to demonstrate this exact thing with like a tiny little block and then a big block? It was like in your living room or something. Did I yeah. see something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, 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 I love that. I was that responding video. Yeah. to a debunker. Who, yeah, uh, yeah. Who said, see this steel? It bends easy after he puts yeah. it in the fire. Yeah, that's hilarious. I, mean, I just remember you building these this this model to argue this point here. It's hilarious. Yeah, they say the top part just drove the rest of the building down to the ground, then destroyed itself. Yeah, exactly. That's their crush down, <laughs> crush up theory. Uh, but it can't be true at all. It completely violates Newton's third law of motion. There's an equal and opposite destructive force when two bodies collide. So the upper part uh would be, in fact, um, uh, crushed uh, as well because it's the lightest, weakest mm -hmm. part of the structure, in fact. So, in fact, you can see it being crushed right here. Uh, the upper part is being crushed. Take a look at this. Uh, watch the lower red line. It doesn't go down. It's not the upper blocks crushing mm -hmm. the rest of the lower blocks, Scott. It's not happening. So, Oh, the, the Volkswagen is getting destroyed. Like if you run a Volkswagen into a Mack truck. Yeah. Uh, that's what's going to be destroyed. And so the question is, what's destroying it? Well, let's keep going. A straight down symmetrical collapse. The South Tower begins to fall over. Interesting. Mm. But it stops at 22 degrees and rights itself. Interestingly. So we have asymmetrical damage from the fires, asymmetrical damage from the planes up above and the fires up above. But why do then do we have complete symmetrical collapse all the way around the building, just like the firefighters described uh, when, when there's all this asymmetrical damage up above and let's zoom in to the corner of that destruction. What do you see? Uh, looks like looks squibs, little explosions, like debris shooting out. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I'm seeing uh, yeah. dozens, a dozen maybe, explosions. Yeah. Uh, this is the leading corner of the destruction. The, the gravitational collapse is like 20, what we're told, is that it's 20 stories up above. But mm. We don't see it at all. Uh, do we have isolated explosive ejections? These are called squibs, like you just mentioned, Scott, mm -hmm. in the controlled demolition industry. I mean, they're occurring all over the place, yeah. 20 stories, 40 stories, 60 stories down below the, uh, the, the zone of destruction. Look at this. What's causing those explosions yeah. down wow. there? Wow. Anybody want to help me with that one? Or all at once, a dozen explosions on the left in this looped video in the South Tower. Mm -hmm. it, it's liquefying the structure. 
which is why it begins to write itself because its solidity has been compromised by all these explosions. So we look at lateral ejection and blast pressure wave effects, which the NFPA says look for. Heavy structural steel pieces freely flying, impaling themselves in skyscrapers all around them and landing 600 feet in every direction. Now, these are freely flying. The debunkers say, oh, this is the skeleton peeling itself. Well, no, it's not. Look at this one. It couldn't be any more clear. That is a freely flying structural steel section uh, weighing four to eight tons. It goes out. I thought gravity works down. What's hurling this out? And why is it trailing thick white smoke clouds? And, any guess? I mean, what's going on? And if the, all that debris, uh, if you will, the, the steel of this building is sent out in a 1,400-foot diameter, outside the footprint, almost all of it, what's crushing the building? This is more than a third of the weight of the building. So it's not available to crush the building, is it? Because it's well outside the perimeter of the towers. Tell me, maybe it's the concrete. Because there were 110 floors of four and eight inch thick concrete. Maybe they're crushing the building. On the right, you can see exactly that in a real gravitational collapse in Mexico. On the left, you see a, a three, four story pile, uh, uh, five stories maybe uh, in this particular building uh and where are the concrete floors not 50 mm -hmm. of them not 10 of them we don't see one mm -hmm. acre sized floor it's completely broken up what happened to it oh it's pulverized in midair how does that happen all the photos all the videos show the pulverizing of this concrete and spreading out 90,000 tons of concrete in each building spread out throughout lower Manhattan from river to river in a three square mile area. By the way, if that concrete is laid like a blanket three inches thick over New York, what's crushing the building? Mm. It wasn't the steel. And now you can see it's not the concrete. There's up to three quarters of the weight of the building that's not even available to crush the building. And yet that's what these false structural engineers have done to calculate the weight of this building uh, to crush it. After three seconds, there's nothing left to crush the building. Well, uh, there's, there's miscellaneous stuff, but not structural steel. Most of it, not most of the concrete. So then we look at the heat. I encourage people to look at the fires and see how hot they were not. Uh, there's oxygen-starved, cooler fires indicated by the thick black smoke. So what's creating the heat? Like uh, the World Trade Center structural engineer himself, Leslie Robertson, says a river of steel flowing, metal dripping from a beam, like you see here, mm -hmm. yeah. pouring out of the material held in the crab claw excavator. Molten steel beams. Mm. Well, how does that happen? Steel is not flammable, Scott. Yeah. It's not. I mean, and we can tell by the color of it 
what its temperature is. That's a really cool thing about molten materials. Mm-hmm. We're exceeding 2,500 degrees here. Now, yeah. the office fires and even jet fuel doesn't even burn as hot as, as desks and chairs. It burns like 600 degrees in open air, according to the manufacturer, ME Petroleum. So what is the cause of these incredible temperatures that we continue seeing that can melt lava lava excuse me melt concrete it flowed like lava at 3200 degrees around everything in its path what can cause that maybe thermite have you heard of thermite scott yes yep yep but yeah tell us about it though (laughs) because your your audience may not be aware of some things that can cause uh these kind of temperatures Can you hear that? No, no, can't hear it. Ignited sustains an extreme heat reaction, creating molten iron. In just two seconds, thermite can reach temperatures over 4,500 degrees Fahrenheit, quite enough to liquefy steel. We know that open air fires cannot burn hot enough to melt steel, but metal had melted at the base of the towers. Appendix C of the FEMA report describes sulfur residues on the World Trade Center steel. The New York Times called this the deepest mystery of all. Sulfur slightly lowers the melting point of iron, and iron oxide and iron sulfide had formed on the surface of the structural steel. Sulfur used with thermite is called thermate, producing even faster results. Wow, so if we're getting... We might be getting somewhere here because if thermite thermate were used, it would explain the sulfur, which FEMA found in abundance. It would explain the molten iron, well, the extreme temperatures at 4,000 degrees. That's what's issued as a result of thermite and the elemental iron, which is that hot. Again, we haven't used iron in our skyscrapers for so long. So we have an answer, a possible answer to all three of these mysteries if thermate were used well the nfpa says look for thermite uh in its in its guide 921 guide for fire and explosion investigation nist uh, says they found no corroborating evidence that suggests that explosives were used a year later when they were pressed they finally admit we didn't even test for the presence of explosive residue you can't find uh what you won't test for yeah, a lot of that these days. That's another, uh, I don't know if we'll have time to get into it tonight, but I know that you uh, are doing a push towards, uh, you know, making the comparisons between, you know, the COVID situation, the lockdowns, and, uh, you know, what we saw with 9-11. And that's a big one right there, if it's not on your list already, the fact that, like, hey, we're not going to test. And I can send you some resources about that, too. Um, there's a case in Scotland where there was an increase in neonatal death among uh, mothers, like, you know, ch- uh, babies born within 28 days, were dying. It was like a 20, I can't remember the exact number, but it was like a staggering increase. And they decided to do a test, but the one factor that they were excluding was whether or not the mom was vaccinated. So they chose to exclude that data point from the investigation, right? So it's the same thing where he's just like, well, we're just not going to include that data set. And therefore, you know, if we don't have the evidence, we can't, you know, confirm or deny what's going on. So anyway. Jeez, a minor data point there, huh? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, they do a lot of that. Um, on the football field and fields, athletic yep. fields all around the country. They, yep. they exclude that data point as well yep. as people are falling like flies. Yep. Yep. 
Stephen Jones uh, is a nuclear physicist formerly from Brigham Young University. He does some tests, finds, gosh, well, if thermite you were used, you'd expect to find a yellow hot liquid metal, like you see, pouring out of the South Tower minutes prior to its collapse. Uh, molten uh, iron, it turns out. Wow. Uh, because uh, uh, aluminum doesn't uh, glow bright yellow and white hot in daylight conditions like that. Uh, and uh, he says you'd expect a characteristic burn pattern uh, of a whitish cloud of aluminum oxide ash, like you see rising off the top of this molten iron uh, pouring out of the South Tower. And you'd expect to see thick white smoke clouds. Well, could that explain how the ends of these beams got caught on fire? Because they're not flammable in office fires or with kerosene, certainly. So, wow, we might have some answers here. Uh, now, mind you, the towers came down nearly identical. So these thick white smoke clouds are trailing thousands of laterally ejected steel beams. It looks more like a volcanic eruption in the Tongan Sea uh, rather than a, uh, a, a gravitational collapse, which is what we're told. Uh, upward art, arching, outward arching streamers, uh, geometry of fireworks. Uh, freely flying solid objects trailed by thick white smoke clouds. And if that was evidence of ignited thermite, would there be any evidence of unignited thermite found in the World Trade Center dust? Well, the U.S. Geological Survey in 2006 publishes their results of uh, hundreds of, of samples that are tested. What do they find? Billions of previously molten iron microspheres. So this is, I, I made a mistake earlier. This is continuing evidence of ignited thermite. We'll get to the unignited thermite in a moment. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, up to 6% of some of these samples are these molten iron microspheres, they don't know where they came from. They don't speculate. It's up to four tons of this material. It's, it's incredible. They even use it to distinguish World Trade Center dust from common office building dust because it's got to have these previously molten iron microspheres. Yeah, the, signa the signature element of it. It's like, you know, debris or, or are these elements from World Trade Center are distinct from anything else that exists. It's like they have their own category because there's nothing else oh, yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. But they don't even speculate as to where they might have come from. Well, yep. we can do an experiment, find out where they came from. This is thermite, a small amount. Wow. And slowing it down halfway, you see what they're like thousands of sparks. But there, it turns out they're little pre molten iron microspheres. They cool and they fall into the pan uh, because as spheres, because that's what aerosolized liquids do. They form themselves by surface tension into spheres. Could that be what's toasting the tops of these cars? Can anybody else uh, in this very high heat event explain the toasting of the tops of these cars? Uh, no, and not even the directed energy people who mm -hmm. suggest that this is a cold event. Well, if it's a cold event, how do the tops of the cars get toasted with this falling liquid molten iron droplets. Yeah, Dr. Judy, how do you explain that one? 
They try to have it both ways. So they ignore most of this evidence in order to try to piece together a theory that has no support. In fact, um, the upper section is actually snuffing out the fires here. Uh, as So surely the fires themselves don't even exist any after the first five seconds of this building's destruction. Uh, so it, it, the fire is not able to explain the temperatures that we've been talking about at all. Uh, plus, it's not even there. Is there uh, unignited thermite, though, in the World Trade Center dust? If that was evidence of ignited thermite, which it sure, surely seems to be, uh, a team of eight international scientists led by Niels Harrett in Copenhagen find in the seven samples that they collected these small red-gray chips. They go, whoa, this is paint. But no, it's attracted by a magnet, so it has a high iron content. Interesting. They zoom into the red layer, find through XEDS analysis, iron and aluminum, the ingredients of thermite, unignited thermite. Uh, that's what thermite's made of, iron oxide and aluminum powder. So they get real curious, zoom in 50,000 times, and what do they find? Uh, uh, nanoparticles of iron oxide crystals and aluminum platelets. They're, they're a thousand times smaller than the diameter of a human hair. Whoa, uh, this is incredible. And this is actually produced and developed in peer-reviewed papers before 9-11 by Los Alamos Lab. They find that, hey, when we ignite, put these uh, pieces into a differential scanning calorimeter, a heater, they ignite in, in at about 758 Fahrenheit. Well, that's exactly what the uh, small chips do in this heater that is, where the, the team of eight international scientists uh, test it also. So they, it, could it be super thermite, which is what they called it? Well, when they heat it up and when it ignites, it produces what? Molten iron mm. microspheres. These chips produce that with the same chemical signature as the molten iron microspheres found and documented by R.J. Lee and the U.S. Geological Survey. So we know where these molten iron microspheres came from. They came from these chips. As if we didn't know, they're found attached to partially ignited red gray chips as we see mm. here and here so what happens is there when you get particles down to this nano scale the surface volume increases exponentially and you have what you call a an instantaneous reaction it's uh it it it, it it's 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 incredibly sophisticated not made in a cave in afghanistan it's made only in the most advanced defense contracting laboratories yeah. Yeah. No, that we know where this stuff comes from. Well, some of us do. Um, I've heard uh, stories here and there, but anybody who wants to really investigate this stuff, like the FBI, if they wanted to investigate anything, uh, where we've directed their attention to this material and uh, they thanked us for it and uh, came up with some excuses. Mm -hmm. uh, so this, this is all peer reviewed, Scott. This is mm -hmm. in, in the, uh, the uh, Bentham Open Chemical Physics Journal. It stands uncontested. Nobody submitted a peer-reviewed paper of their own. 
So uh, it stands as, as an indictment uh, against the official narrative that these buildings came down by fire and jet plane impacts, breaking a few columns. It's direct evidence of destruction with explosives. Not one of these features can be explained by fire, let alone all of them with additional circumstantial corroborative evidence and testimony. Uh, we have what we call proof of controlled demolition. Mm -hmm. Again, a body of proof that's convinced uh, thousands of architects and engineers uh, to sign on to a petition demanding a new investigation, many of which will be in our film, 9-11 Crime Scene to Courtroom. And that's why we um, go all around the country with our evidence booths and present this material in speaking engagements. And we, we have DVDs to provide to people who want to learn more. Uh, lots of them. We're opening a store next week or the week after uh, to to try to get this material out there. Uh, faster. So yeah, uh, that's, that's what it's all about is getting the word out. And I know you're all about that. Mm -hmm. And I so appreciate you for bringing us uh, back on. Oh yeah, definitely. Richard, man, like that was uh, just powerful, powerful stuff. And every time you come on and show these presentations, I feel like, uh, you know, you have newer information or a different format of presenting the information and a new way of articulating it. And some, some people listening, you know, this may be old information to them, but it's always nice for a refresher. I, I learned a lot right there and, and just really reinforced a few things in my mind. And it's just like, you know, I just love your, your presentation style. Like you obviously know what you're talking about. You have the receipts and uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's a very clear, concise. And I really hope everybody takes this and shares it. And, and ultimately you guys, please go support Richard's work. You know, I know Richard, travels around the country presenting this information and uh, we we're talking to him on oh that by the way so our little event we actually we're pushing it out so there there is a chance that we might be able to figure something out to get you out here uh oh, but cool. uh yeah yeah that's the, that's the goal man like we're really gonna we're really trying to make something special and uh you know so more more to come on that but really ultimately richard like just uh amazing work um i really hope that everybody goes to uh richard gage nine 11.org and uh, just, just just peruse the website it's just a massive amount of resources um all kinds of different um you know just the, the videos um downloadable stuff and then you guys yeah just donate you know one time reoccurring uh you know in lieu of any support to this show tonight you guys why don't you take a moment and go support richard uh just donate you know i, I really believe in what he's doing with the crime scene the courtroom film and i think that uh you know getting this truth out there is a really, really, really important uh, thing right now. Like one of the things we talked about last time you were on Richard was, uh, you know, just the idea of, it was about a year ago. It was a little less than a year ago. Uh, but like, you know, the idea of like government accountability, like this is when like the COVID narrative first started to like, there were some cracks in the facade, you know, and we were like, oh, and there were so many people are clamoring for some sort of government accountability. And you have been in the business of, trying to hold the government accountable for like decades now at this point, you know, it seems like, you know, and so you, you've really led the charge in, in showing that there is a path to holding these people accountable and it's all grassroots efforts, you know, getting experts on board, compiling your evidence, presenting the evidence, taking action, making films. Like these are things that we should all take note of as we move forward, looking for government accountability across the board. 
So, you know, just amazing work, all the efforts that you were doing. And of course, say hi to Gail for me. Uh, you guys, you guys are like, the, you guys are like the best couple in the truth movement. I'd say like right up there. <laughs> so you're like the cutest couple in the truth movement. I'll say that. So, well, I'm not a part of uh, the cute part. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, I, I love having Gail with me. She does a fantastic job and she draws in the customers and yeah. she, yep. she knows the evidence uh, too. She's, yep. um, She's a, a powerful and more so every day uh, yep. deliverer of, of this valuable, critical information. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Richard, uh, like I said, I wanted to get into some of the stuff with uh, the the overlap between COVID. So maybe we'll have you back on here when you get some time in the next uh, few weeks or so. And we'll, we'll get into some more stuff. Uh, anything, anytime you ever have anything you want to shout out, open invitation. And then, of course, you guys, side note. The Unjected Show tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Friday Eastern Time. Every Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. I was telling Richard about the show beforehand, and we'll have to have you on as like a guest host. Maybe you and Gail could come on and host together as like oh. a happy as a happy unjected couple. You know what I mean? And <laughs> that would be fun. Take, take calls with us. That would be really fun. So yeah, I, I've got some information. If you want to do that, we'll uh, we'll we'll be happy to do that, and cool. and also bring some of our parallels uh, to to bear. Cool. Uh, during that show, if you'd like. Cool. Sounds parallels great. between 9/11 and COVID. Yep. That's startling. 12 of them developed by yeah. Kevin Ryan. He's incredible. Cool. Awesome. All right, Richard. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me tonight. That very people in the comment section, uh, like Kevin Perez dropped, dropped a tip and said, uh, starting the show a little late, but Hey, Kevin, glad you're here. Um, victory says great presentation choir boy. Yay, Richard. You know, people are really stoked, man. So thank you so much. Oh, for taking the time. So you guys, Richard gauge, 911.org. Um, the website here is rebound. Oh, that's right. RichardGage911.org. Yep, RichardGage911.org. The website here is Rebunk.news. And you guys remember, this year, no fear, only crushing. Peace. All right.